Well, the reason why we want to share briefly uh, on the subject matter uh, facing forward leadership, some of you have heard of that terminology, some it's the first time, because it's not very popularized. You know, we have ethical leadership, we have this, we have, but uh, facing forward leadership is a literature that is very not exploited uh, because of its rarity. It doesn't apply daily. It applies in circumstances of crisis. When you go through a crisis, you need a facing forward leader in your midst. So I'm going to take a bit of time to just navigate through this because the similarity between the context of the contemporary church, which means the church that you're dealing with right now, and the community of restoration. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll use two minutes to explain briefly what the Bible calls restoration community. These are Jews people who have gone into a forced uh, exile for 70 years. Exiled, forced by God because of behavior and other things that you're not going to discuss about. And uh, after 70 years, uh, God had to raise a certain type of leadership to restore not the people, but society. So when you talk about restoration community, we not talk about people being restored. Because, you know, that's, that's the distortion of uh, Christianity in the 21st century that have turned into self-centeredness at a level where people are not good for kingdom anymore. But you and I are sitting together because you want to move from individualistic Christianity that characterizes our context to a kingdom Christianity where I live not with a crown on my head, but with a cross in my hand. That's, that's a shift. So there were waves of those people going, probably three to five waves, but the, the two waves that are most popular is the first wave that went under the leadership of uh, Zerubbabel, we all know. So him and Joshua took a big chunk probably in excess of 40,000 people. And then uh, it's a good study on your own. <clears throat> because God, when he spoke through Cyrus, he said, whoever is willing to go and rebuild, let him go. So the reason you're sitting here and then you're not in a big congregation, maybe because you've made a shift from attending church to being willing to make a difference. That's, that's basic, the gist of Christ, uh, leadership. Now there were millions, millions of Jews who were in exile. And you are stricken by how few are prepared to go where many don't go. And the reason the few go where many don't go is for the many. You know, so you missed me. The few who are prepared to go where the many don't go, they go there for the many. So we don't do leadership for self. We do leadership for those who don't want to lead so that they can do better. And 40,000 people heeded the call 
returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua. And uh, sometimes later, a second wave comes, and it's the wave of under the leadership of Nehemiah. Twelve to 13,000 people uh, move along and return to Jerusalem. Now it's 52 to 53,000. So then you have to count another wave that will come with a lesser number under Ezra, you know, 1,300 somewhere there. And then another wave, another wave. So there were almost five waves of people that kept coming <clears throat> to respond to the call of doing leadership at the level where few people do for the sake of many. Now, how do you summarize the purpose of the returnees? Two things, and I want you to get them in your spirit in a time of crisis. One, it was to rebuild the temple. Are we together? The rebuilding of the temple so that worship can resume. That's critical. Now, time will not allow us, but when you begin to process these things, are, every word is so heavy that a functional society is not measured by how the government works, how the economy opens up, but how do heaven is open on that nation. COVID-19 have told us a lot that the push is not primarily to protect people from dying, which is noble and commendable. But the push at the spiritual level is to close the heavens. That the worship of Jehovah is not done anymore. Now, most of us don't understand when God is not worshipped, the Bible says if there's no worship, there will be no rain. So you go back to Jerusalem for one reason. Rebuild the temple. A meeting place between the God and his people. The second activity was to restore the, city, the activities of the city. So basically two things, you know, every time there's a crisis, the purpose is rebuilding and restoration. Full stop. So once you get it, you get the job of a leader during a time of crisis to rebuild and to restore. Now, this is what's happened. You know, the beauty of the story. Uh, they are charged up, super excited, enthusiastic beyond. In the next three months upon the arrival, the foundation of the temple was completed. Speed is picking up. And then an unforeseen Setback sets in. Discouragement settles. These are things that Bishop was teaching right now at the back end as I caught it. That you cannot do leadership for a long time based on enthusiasm and emotion. Yeah. 
Because life setbacks have a way of resetting your true you. This thing is not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. And anybody who have run a marathon knows once you start clocking, particularly the last five kilometers, it's not your muscle strength. It's your willpower. That's leadership at its best. So three months later, there's first challenge, second challenge, and eventually people are discouraged. They just quit. Give up. Now, we are called to rebuild. We are called to restore. But the problem is when challenges begin to show up, people become reluctant. So these are three things that you have to navigate as you do leadership. The purposes of God into rebuilding and restoring and the reaction of people into reluctance when trouble and difficulties show up. You will never run a ministry at the level of grace, Bible church, family of churches, without you hitting into a place where people are reluctant. It's only at that level that leaders begin to deal with two things. One is what I call the now. Now, every leader has to be very aware of these things. You have to know that leadership is practiced in the now. But the now has two dimensions to it. One now can be a distraction. Are we together? So when we bog down into dealing with the current circumstances now becomes a distraction. For the sake of time, we will not dig too much into it, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can unpack. The gap between levels of leadership is how do we deal with the now? For some people, they react to now. So when you react to now, what happens without you knowing, you begin to be bogged down by the current circumstances. But leadership naturally lives beyond now, while I'm still now. Then the second dimension which makes facing forward leadership critical, you can use now as a driver. So therefore, for a leader now becomes an invitation that the future is giving to him. Can you do something now so that you can meet me there? What is the difference? The common people react. Leaders respond. That's critical. And uh, there's 
There's a concentration of messages. Ezra is talking. Nehemiah is talking. Uh, some minor prophet and uh, encouragers are talking in, in the book of Chronicles. And then Ega is talking. Zechariah is talking. Uh, you know, to a lesser degree. Uh, you know, Malachi is talking. So when you see a concentration of the prophetic, heaven is tapping on your shoulder. Pay attention. Listen, listen, listen. Because God don't, doesn't talk that much. But when he begins to talk to the same community, restoration community, it's because it's vital. Because now decides there. That's important for a leader to understand. And then Zechariah is pushing the, the, the issue. Please, please, please. What you have come to do to restore and to rebuild will not stop at a building and a people in your generation. You are preparing the coming of Messiah. You read the prophetic and the vision of Zechariah. They are going beyond the now because there is a future that is calling the present to join it. And then he sees a vision. And that's that's the critical thing I want to use briefly. Check with me in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You know, we have read many times this thing, but a few of us have really, really paid attention. Or could it be that God is telling me something? Let's, let's see. Can we have a scripture? Yes. Can you have a proper English, NIV, or something like this? <laughs> this? This is for people who have never gone to school. Now this is the one. Then I looked up. This is the prophet Zechariah speaking. And there before me was a man. Think. I did what? I looked up. When I looked up, I didn't see God. I didn't see angels because angels are in verse 3. I didn't see some divine activity, but I saw a man. Could it be that God is telling us that the majority of members of a church, when they look up, they don't see God first. They see a leader first. That the only way they can make sense of God is by seeing God active in a man. You are not a leader to fill a space in an organization. You are a leader so that when somebody is confused, he looks up and he sees you and he understands how God works. That is leadership. I looked up and I saw a man. Now, we are in a space of there. What does it mean? I look up and I saw a man. There must be a reference point in any organization, particularly church, for people to know what is God up to. A time of crisis is a very difficult time. Look at the restoration community. They struggle, number one, with the former glory. 
they are still remembering when things were still fine. Now they are facing a fresh shame. You told us God told you. If God told you for us to do this project, why are we still at the foundation level? Remember the prophecies that we give to people beginning of the year? <laughs> oh, I knew you would be quiet, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already here. We might as well talk briefly. This is a year of unusual breakthrough. Now in March, COVID says I'm coming to visit you. <laughs> Now the people are wondering, if God said, why can't we gather more than 250? Israel is confused. And Israel does what normal people do. They quit on God. They concentrate on self. Ega is talking about these issues. You came here for two reasons. The reason you left Babylonia, the reason you left that space was to restore and to rebuild. But now 20 years down the line, 20 years, not two years, 20 years, this project is still at foundation level. But in your own private space, you have built houses, you have started businesses, you have done stuff. What happened? The crisis was not with the people. But when the people looked up, there was no man to see. You are critically important in the life of the church. If you are called to leadership because you understand there are always secondary branches that will never connect to the vine except through main branches. And the leader is the main branch that allows the secondary branch to make sense of the sap. But what is the quality of a reference point? You know, because that's what the usefulness of, you know, these facing uh, forward leaders. They have many qualities, but I'll just pop up three. One, when you see a facing forward leader, is always relevant. So therefore, me and I and you, we have to ask ourselves questions. Am I still relevant? Oh, my word. You're so quiet. I understand it, COVID-19 and social distancing. That's fine. Because relevance is not concrete. It's dynamic. I can be a relevant leader under normal circumstances and become irrelevant in a time of crisis. I can be a relevant leader when... 7,000 people, 8,000 people show up, but they become irrelevant when only 50 show up. But this is the problem. Whether 8,000 people show up or 50, there's always somebody who's looking up to see a man. So therefore, my interacting with, with crisis, my way of interpreting crisis, it's not reactionary, but it's a response a future. The second thing that you see, the reason why facing forward leaders are so critical, they're not just relevant, but they're practical. 
what is lacking in many leaders is practicality. How can it make sense in a real life? Third, they are ending. Relevant, practical, handy. Whatever the circumstance dictates, I will give it my head, I will give it my hands, I will give it my eyes, I will give it my ears, I will give it my feet, I will do something to fix what needs to be fixed. Maybe we have to do church until the worship of Jehovah is restored completely by being more present in the life of our members than before. We become an extension of the bishop in homes of the vulnerable. We become an extension of bishop in homes of teenagers who don't make sense of a promise given 1st of December and then the, you know, 23rd of March, what is it? How do you explain this theologically? So therefore, as a first thing for leader, I have to ask myself, am I relevant? Am I practical? So, you will excuse me again because all these things we can unpack. Practicality is basically, do I have a theological construct that I can explain to someone why things turn the way they turn. If God is loving, if he's so powerful, why this enemy have stopped us for 20 years? People are still wondering what kind of God is this? Let's take the last one and then we will wrap up. First folding leaders deal with now in responding, not reacting. Because reacting disqualifies you. When you respond, people begin to see a reference point. I can see God only by seeing the man. But what kind of man is Zechariah seeing in a vision? A man with a measuring line running to measure not measure his house or his neighborhood Jerusalem oh no you missed me let me retract again one man is taking upon him to go the breadth and length of Jerusalem to measure and to know and assess what is going on write this People need a reference point. But number two, more importantly, people need a release point. Who can launch us from now into there? That's what it boils down to. Facing forward leaders understand that they have to navigate in the now Responding to that. But for me to do that, my mind have to know 
my interaction with God, society, crises, and all these things become a reference point to someone who's lost in a crisis. But two, my interaction with God, society, crises, and everything else become a releasing point. That people can be taken into the future only through a facing forward leader. How do you know that? There are several characteristics, but I think four of them stand head and shoulder that we have to cultivate. You know, more work can be done later on. Let me give them to you in bullet points. Number one, your attitude. A release point has an attitude that is healthier than the majority of people that they lead. Just picture a presiding bishop and mama into panic. They cannot come out. They talk to the church through the window of the house because the virus is somewhere there. That's the end of grace. You must wear an attitude that says, yes, there's a crisis, but there's a bigger than a crisis. His name is Jehovah. And it's only when your attitude... Listen, that's the magic of leadership. It's just your mindset that is wired totally differently from the people you lead. So therefore, when they look up, they can see a man. But they can see a man in his activities because he has an attitude that allows him to do things in a crisis to take people out of it. Two, aptitude. Are we together? Attitude is the number one thing that trumps everything. But secondly is aptitude. I can buy you a toolkit, brand new, with screwdrivers, chisels, hammers, and everything else. But the problem is you are a surgeon. And I bring to you that these are tools for you to work with. What can a hammer and a chisel and a screwdriver do when my purpose is to, peop- to open people's brains. So the problem with the church, our contemporary church, I'm not talking about us, those who are not here, <laughs> is a problem of crisis of competence. We can have the best attitude, but our aptitude is lacking. Let's rush and finish. Number three, the third characteristic that you see about release points, I'm talking about, you know, facing forward leaders, is activity. Whatever they do has a purpose to it. Again, I apologize for not laboring on this because I might leave you with more questions. And last but not least, the last characteristic that you see with these people is an anointing. 
Yes, you heard me. An anointing. In its simplest definition, anointing is basically a supernatural activity of God who is present in somebody, allowing him or her to do something that otherwise they can never do. If God is with you, if God is in your life as my leader, is there anything that you are doing that wows me? Now, why does God love these facing forward leaders? It's because they know God doesn't dwell in the past. God dwells in the future. And when you take people into the future, despite of the now crisis, you have become a facing forward leader. And that is the leadership needed in times like this. God bless you. Thank you.